I'm Jason Long, and this is Queer Contemplations. The last chapter. This is Nigel's story. Springtime. New beginnings, not something you get many of at my age. When they come along, well, you've got to wonder whether you should be wary. I would be now. I lost my wife two years ago. Cancer it was. Horrible. Painful. She'd suffered, God bless her. We had a happy marriage, I think. She always seemed happy, content, I suppose. Not always, obviously, not every day, but on the whole, you know. For fifty years I'd looked after her. I tried to make her happy, but but I wasn't. (coughs) Sorry, it's still... It's hard to say. I am gay. I've always been gay. I've always had a sense of duty. That's all right, isn't it? It's hard to explain to people, younger people, that obligation of duty we were brought up with. Things were different when I was a lad. I know a lot of people say that, but it's because they can't. Younger people, they can't grasp what that means. What it really means. What do I mean when I say that that things were different? I suppose I mean it wasn't done. Not just because it was illegal, no. Because people break the law all the time. I'm sure there were things happened down the park. In the shadows, you know. But you didn't hear of it. I see these things now on the telly. Apparently there were whispers codes people used to get to know who was and who wasn't. But I don't remember any of that. I lived most of my life not knowing about these things. Was I naive? I suppose. Maybe I'm misremembering, but it's true that I wasn't aware that things like that were probably happening all round me. I digress. Two years ago there I was alone. I went back to my empty house from the hospice. I grieved for a long time, perhaps longer than I ought to have. Those fifty years, see, they went by like a blink. Another thing young people don't understand. They look at me and think, oh, he's had a long life. But they don't know, they don't understand that it whizzes past. You don't notice at the time. You do things every day. You get by and... Perhaps it's best they don't know. I realised that I had the rest of my life to live. I had been given a new beginning when she went. Now, for a few years, probably since the mid-80s, I've been more aware of gay things, culture, areas, celebrities, things like that, you know. I've, I've paid secret attention to them. I've never done anything with a man, let's make that clear. I was faithful to my wife, always have been. Duty again, see? But I know about this website where you can go on and meet gay men. Online dating, it's called. Now, I didn't realise, but these things have got your computer's location on them. I always thought online dating meant writing to each other, but it turns out you can actually look for people who live near you. Remember when I found that out? I was, well, a bit uneasy. I'd built myself up to write to someone on the computer, and I thought it'd be someone, you know, miles away, London maybe, or Plymouth. 
There were people here, right here in my town. I had to get used to the idea that I could meet somebody face to face. It wouldn't be an exaggeration to say it changed my life. Not at all. No. So there I was, faced with unrestrained access to this world that had been lying dormant in the background for 70-odd years, of which I really had no concrete knowledge, no real understanding. Nothing wrong with having a look round, was there? Eventually, after a few days, I think it was, I started writing to a young man, Greg. He was younger, and I'm tired of defending his age, so I don't want your listeners to think less of me, but he was in his 30s, early 30s. We had a lot in common, you see, and I remember I didn't expect anything to come of it. We were just writing to each other. He told me all about his life, what he did with his friends. It made me feel optimistic. He was so happy and comfortable with himself, it was lovely. So yes, after a few days, he told me he wanted to meet me in person. Well, I was made up, wouldn't you be? Now, I didn't expect anything to happen. All right, I didn't think this was going to lead to a great romance of our times. No. Did he? I don't know. Don't think so. For me, it was an experiment meeting him. A way of testing the water, for learning a bit about this world. Collecting useful information that might have taught me things, like places to go to meet other people like us. I suppose I wanted some inside knowledge that could help me with this new chapter in my life. I know it's the last chapter of my life, and people always want a good last chapter, don't they? It seemed like the right thing to do. I was lonely, remember? So lonely. Now, I'm not saying he was a teacher or a mentor or whatever. We met for a cup of tea at this odd little place. All the furniture was painted in different bright colours. Horrible. Pricey too. It was his suggestion. He told me how much he liked it there. So I didn't bother. What I wasn't expecting was it was, there was, oh, how did he describe it? An ember, no, a spark. He said there was a spark between us. I like that, spark. I don't remember there being a spark, but I felt there was a connection of sorts. Looking back, I suppose everything I'd been bottling up for 70-odd years found an outlet. Somebody else, somebody like me. He was a lightning rod, and I felt full of electricity. That's it, that's the spark. I remember thinking it must have been just because we were both gay. But he kept talking about our connection, made a point of it. And I just bought into it, I suppose. I don't know, maybe it was puerile to try to name it or assign it any meaning beyond what it was. Why did he talk about how he felt? Why do people do that in such depth, I mean? The way people feel takes up so much conversation nowadays. Surely, we can change the way we feel. I don't know. Should have known then what to do. What I shouldn't have done, didn't. Now he ticked the right boxes for me. Handsome, lovely chat, ambitious he was. I like that, I was at his age. I took the bus home later, made myself some dinner, and I was surprised to see that he'd written me a message on the computer, telling me that he really enjoyed spending time with me. It was quite detailed, this message. He wrote again about some things we talked about in the shop, like the team I support and a university course he was looking at. I thought this was quite unusual, really. It was like a follow-up to a meeting that had only just happened. Anyway, I didn't write back to him. I just had my tea at an early night, I think. 
It was the weekend. We met on the Friday and on the Saturday I went to my local for my fish supper and a pint with John. I didn't tell him anything about any of this, but to my surprise I wanted to, but I thought best not. I get home and there's another message on the computer from Greg, telling me that he wants to see me again. That'd be nice, I thought, but I still didn't write back to him. I was cautious. I didn't know how these things work. I was in bed that night, couldn't sleep a wink. I was thinking about my wife. She always said I was cold, that I could be aloof and distant. And I thought, well, I don't want Greg to think of me like that. But what was I doing? I was ignoring him, true to form. I nearly got out of bed and wrote to him, but I didn't know whether it would wake him up and he'd be annoyed. I don't know how his computer works, but if mine is on and somebody sends me something, it makes this noise, and I wouldn't want that at three o'clock in the morning. So I waited. I thought I'd worked out how it would happen. It was clear that we got on. I knew it would lead to something if I went with it. But at my age, well, I didn't want to dive in head first. Perhaps he thought this was cold. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I should have known that keeping him at a distance like that might spell trouble. It had in the past. I don't know why I thought this was different, but, well, it doesn't matter, does it, now, really? Not really. But you see what I mean, though. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, because if the fox comes along and takes your basket, you've got no eggs left. That's what my mummy used to say. I was in a bit of a muddle. Bit of a muddle. But when it happened... When I let it happen, we did eventually meet up again a few days later. Same place, same tea, same ugly furniture. And then again after that, we went to a pub, a gay pub. There was one not too far from me. I had no idea. Didn't like it, though. Too loud, too many people. And yes, um, he spent the night. I wasn't up to much, I don't think. But it was... Sorry, but... <laughs> it was lovely. More than lovely it was. No, we had a good time. Let's just say that. Maybe that was too soon. Maybe I just... It had been years and years since I'd been on holiday. Even longer since I'd been abroad. So I booked us a trip away. He chose the destination, a sun little island in the Canaries. I forget which one. But it wasn't really my sort of holiday. He just wanted to sit by the pool and drink cocktails, but it was okay. It was nice and warm, and he was happy. He enjoyed it. No sooner had we got home than he wanted to book the next one, so we did. Well, he booked it. It's all done online these days. I just gave him my card and left him to it. It's not like I had anything else to do, nor did he, actually. He didn't have a job at the time, see? Was either sitting round this rainy town or sitting by the pool somewhere else? We tried a few different places, spent months from home altogether. I paid for it, but I was happy to. I suppose I was happy to. I wouldn't have kept doing it otherwise, would I? No, when I was his age, courting would have taken months, years sometimes. Then if you were lucky, you'd propose, get married, settle down. But this was different, so different. You know, it was like these things that don't happen until you were married happened in the first few weeks of meeting someone. I suppose that's how it works nowadays. I didn't really mind, but there was no security, no love. Not at first. He said, love comes later. You do all these things, you get to know each other, then love comes later. I suppose that bit's the same. But before the love would have come once, you were already married, or at least engaged. 
Maybe this was an improvement. I don't know. It took a few months, but yes, I think we were in love. Seems odd to say it out loud. It'd seem even more odd if you'd seen us together, but yes, I think we were in love. The money wasn't a problem at first. I say that, money's never been a problem for me, but it seemed to be for him. He'd tell me in one breath he was frustrated that I was paying for everything. Then in the next breath, asked me to borrow cash for, I don't know, clothes or whatever. He was young, he hadn't had the chance to build his career yet, but he had that ambition, I could just tell. He talked to me about university courses all the time, ones he was looking at but he couldn't afford. Of course, I didn't know about finance options and things like that. I never went to university, no kids of my own, none of my friend's kids went, I didn't know. So I gave him the money, a few thousand pounds, what did it matter, really? I was just going to leave it all to a charity. He might as well get some use of it. I wanted to see him happy, filling his potential. It was important to me at the time. He kept saying it was a loan, a loan he'd pay back. But I knew it wasn't, but it didn't matter. Would you say that was controlling? I'd done my career, started in the army, became an engineer, ended up in the private sector and done really well. Worked my way up as he did in those days. Chose a company out the army, stuck with it, you know, started when I was 25 and stayed with it till I retired. I did well, made more money than I ever needed. I was comfortable, I was just lonely. A few months passed, lots of holidays when he wasn't studying. Then he talked about wanting to move in together. It made sense. He stayed at my house a lot and I was just farting about when he wasn't there. It was like I forgot how to be by myself again. But he'd go out to dance with his friends. I hated it, being there by myself. I forgot how to be by myself again. Gosh, that's quite a thing, isn't it? I forgot how to be alone. There were practical things, too. Stairs were getting more and more difficult. It was a long walk to the bus stop. I wasn't thrilled by the idea of moving. That in itself is hard work. But he promised to sort it all out. In the end, his parents gave him a bit of money to help pay for the house. But by the time I'd sold mine, his contribution was... Well, it was a token. I didn't mind. He seemed to think it was important to put in a little, but I sorted out all the paperwork. Gave me something to do, and he'd not have understood any of it anyway. The new house was nice. Little garden where I could sit in the summer. Bedroom and toilet for me downstairs. Not too far from the shops. It was a bit more practical than my old place. Of course, it didn't have the memories. I suppose that was a good thing. That's the problem, I think, with relationships like this. Well, all relationships, actually, but ones like this. There's this imbalance, lots of variables. I kept telling him that one day he'd be earning good money if he carried on working hard, but he became pessimistic. He thought he'd have to rely on me all the time. I told him he didn't need to worry about it. What was I going to do with all this money? Like I say, I was going to leave it to charity. I might as well live to see someone enjoy it. I was enjoying it. The imbalance? I don't know. It's, it's what the problem was. It's what the problem was. Variables. Things you can't account for. Things you don't see coming. That's always been my problem. We had a laugh. He started talking about wanting children. I don't know whether he was serious or not. I suppose not. But I couldn't tell at the time. I couldn't tell and I didn't ask. We just laughed. It was all a laugh. It wasn't a serious conversation, as I recall. I mean, can you imagine? But he wanted children. There's no doubt in my mind that he did. But he didn't see it from my point of view. He, he could have children long after I was gone. 
Strange, it would be. It's not something that's done at my age. I don't have that thing, whatever it is, that makes people want children. Maybe I did once. My wife had it for longer than I did, but we decided not to. I think we decided. I don't want to dwell on it, but I think I decided it more than her. If he was serious, I don't know what his intentions were. I couldn't work it out. I thought about that conversation for a while. I put it under the microscope, as it were. I looked at each angle he might have been getting at. The thing I couldn't work out is why I had to spell out if he waited a few years I'd be dead and he could spread his seed as far and wide as he pleased. I didn't want to spell it out. Too morbid. We put it down to a funny conversation, left it there in the end, hanging in the ether. He didn't bring it up again, but I remember there were times when I could tell he was about to bring it up before I'd change the subject or give him a withering look or something like that, you know. This was a conversation I thought I'd laid to rest 40 years ago, before he was even born. I had little intention of bringing it all up again. We left it there. I think it was the right thing to do. Then he called me cold, he called me unfeeling and insensitive, and he was probably right. Maybe it's me, maybe I just fall for emotional types who don't like it when I don't share their passions. So they turn it on me, tell me I'm not emotional enough, knowing that I'd not accuse them of being too emotional. No, I've learned to let these things go. If people get pleasure from pointing out my character flaws, more power to them. I won't sink to their level. I won't give them the satisfaction. Unfortunately, me being calmly stoic about the whole affair didn't appease him. The puppy dog eyes came out, trying to draw something out of me. Then the nagging about my habits and the company I kept. Nag, nag, nag. Then it all came out, all the hurt and misery he'd claimed I'd caused him by smothering him. Not allowing him to explore his independence, not empowering him to get a job and start earning money for himself, making him feel that he would never amount to anything. It was out in the open, it had all been aired, and this had all happened within six months of us knowing each other. Well, I didn't have the energy for all this, not any more, so when one day, in a fit of sulking and tantrums, he told me he was going to put a house on the market, I called his bluff. He didn't know how these things worked, he thought he was going to get half the house, because he put in his tiny deposit. No, I don't feel guilty for not holding his hand when we were signing contracts and buying the place. No, don't like variables, you see. Anyway, you just assume people do their research before signing these things, don't you? The estate agent who came to value the house, Mark. Beautiful creature. Charming. Younger than Greg, mid-twenties. Free-spirited, funny, cheerful. Red hair, bit of a beard. I've always liked red hair. Well, as soon as I met him, I wanted him. He said he gets that a lot. The house was on the market within a week or so. Within a month, we, Mark and I, were on a train to Paris for a mini-break. I don't know where Greg is now. Last I heard, he'd dropped out of university. I think he's gone down south, but I don't know. Mark and I have been getting on swimmingly. I think about him sometimes, though, Greg. In the end, we wanted different things but I don't know what he wanted to begin with. I think all I wanted was to get a bit of insight into something I knew nothing about. I didn't know how quickly that would turn into low... Well, he's probably somewhere broke now. We both lost a bit of money in the house, but shouldn't that have made him feel empowered? Maybe he always wanted to be struggling. He liked being the victim. I think he thought it was romantic. Did I do the right thing? I don't even know if I wanted a long-term relationship. Who does these days? 
I don't know if Mark does. That doesn't seem to matter. We're just having fun, enjoying ourselves. And isn't that all that matters? I know I haven't got long left. So what does it matter, really? What does any of it matter? Nigel was played by David Murtagh. Thank you, David. Thanks for listening to Queer Contemplations. For more information on this episode, please visit longstoriesmedia.com. Next week in Queer Contemplations... It annoys me how some gay guys think, unless you're sleeping with someone who looks and behaves exactly like you, it's taboo. I'm not very experienced. I like to. I definitely fancy it. All this stuff was gone. The night was empty. 